WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Silent Assassin Matt Costa there. Can you hear me, Matt? Everything coming through okay? Beautiful. How's, how's things over in the Spooky series? You know what's fascinating for the podcast listeners? They can't hear you because of the, the limits of our technology here. So, Well, I'll just tell them that you're nodding. Okay, well, we are actually broadcasting live from, we, you know, we've been promising this for weeks. We've been telling the listeners we're going to be broadcasting live from a haunted location in Fall River. And, of course, we are there right now. It is the Quickishan Club, and we're going to be talking about the club throughout the course of the program tonight. And, of course, we highly recommend everybody checks it out for themselves. And you can go to their website, quickishanclub.com, which will be linked up on spookysouthcoast.com. Uh, and... You can also stop by and visit if you're in the area. It's 306 North Main Street, Fall River, Massachusetts. If you're interested in becoming a member, you can check it out. We highly recommend it. Matt Moniz and myself have uh, recently become members, and we're going to get Matt Cost involved too just as soon as his uh, spooky South Coast paycheck clears. <laughs> but we're going to be talking to Dan Silva. He's the owner of the club. And we're also going to be talking to Eric Lavoie of the Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team, who you've heard on the program before. And he's the reason why we're here. He's the one that uh, contacted us and said that a year ago, a year ago to the day, right, Eric? A year ago today. That uh, we we had a – they had an investigation here, and they got some interesting results out of here. And so they wanted to come back, and they invited us along, and we figured, hey, it's a Saturday night. We've got the remote studio set up. Let's try and broadcast from there. And it, the Red Sox didn't really help us out any, but, you know, at least uh, we, we we finally did get on there. But, uh, you know, at least we can do this kind of stuff. We're excited whenever we can get out in the field and bring the show out into the field. And I remember, what, two years ago, three years ago when we tried doing this, we'd have to kind of record things and then bring it back to the radio later on. Now we're able to do something live over the air. So it's exciting. Uh, because of the nature of the broadcast of the show tonight, we're not going to take any calls. But if you uh, do have any questions, you can email us, spookycrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We can read them on the air. Uh, also, Spooky TV will not be up and running tonight because basically you'd be looking at me and because I have to be able to look at the laptop while we're working it. I just wouldn't make a very interesting show. All right, well, we are here at the Quickishan Club, which is just a, it's a beautiful spot. It's just an, an excellent building. It's an excellent atmosphere. Everything about the club is just first rate. And we have Dan Silver, the owner here with us. And, and Dan, you've been the owner now for a number of years? Yes, I got involved back in 1995 as a member and I purchased the club with uh, two other gentlemen in 1999. And uh, in uh, the last four years, I've owned it by myself. And uh, we, we try to keep it a private club uh, as best we can. And we are open to the public for functions in different events that people might want to have here. And it's been a club, though, for a long time, for over 100 years. Yes, it was uh, formed in 1894 by a group of nine gentlemen, and it's become a private club since then. It has not changed uh, the private uh, club scene. And, and the building itself is even a little bit older than that, right? The, uh, the building was built in 1861, and uh, it was built as a home, as uh, a residence. And it is uh, formed as two homes, two separate homes. And, uh, and like I said, it became a club in 1894, and additions were added. And the club is beautiful. It's historic, uh, very historic looking, and uh, we maintain it to be that way. I mean, how much of what we're seeing here in the club is original to the club? Uh, 90% of the club is original. Uh, little additions were added here and there to turn it into like a hall, a dance hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, the rooms pretty much have stayed the same. The the character of the club has stayed the same. Maybe walls were opened up back then to make it more spacious. But uh, it's it's pretty much the outside of the building was 
changed that one time, the roof lines, but the foundation part of it is pretty much stayed the same. And now this is a private club. It's a membership club. And for some people that might have a certain connotation, people who, you know, they, they say, oh, you know, the private club, I can't join a private club. I can't afford that. That's not my crowd. That's not my scene. And we've been here now a couple of times, and I know Eric's been here a couple of times, and that's just, that's not the case here. It seems like it's a very blue-collar crowd, a very, you know, Fall River kind of crowd. Yeah, we got the best of all worlds here. We have uh, three different memberships uh, that uh, are affordable. We let the member choose their package that they're looking for. Uh, it starts out at $50 a year, which lets you come into the club for dining. Uh, we also have a private pub on a lower level with bowling alleys, uh, a beautiful bar, TVs. Um, upstairs, we have an elegant dining room that we serve very uh, delicious meals. Uh, we have all, we also have lunches as well, and um, and we have a gold membership that entitles you to come here to the club and just sign as you as you dine. You just sign, and there's other privileges. There's no room charge if you want to have a function here, and then there's a platinum membership that's also available, and that includes um, we are affiliated with clubs all over the world. Uh, if you become part of that membership, you are able to visit these these clubs all over the country and the world. And and one of those reciprocal clubs, too, is the Wamsutta Club in New Bedford? Wamsutta Club in New Bedford, uh, a Coxie Club in Westport, a Squantum Club in East, East Providence, and some in Florida. There's one in India, it, Canada. It just goes on and on. The list so goes if, on. So if you're listening and, and you're anywhere within the sound of the WBSM broadcast, you want to join because it, it gets you a membership into some of these other clubs, and it's a short drive from wherever you are. I mean, Moniz and I, we both live in Wareham, but we didn't even bat an eye at, at joining and becoming members here. And you threw it up in the air. <laughs> you do. You just get that feeling when, when you come in that you want to be part of what goes on here. Now, Eric, how did you come about with the idea of uh, investigating here? Well, it's uh, it's kind of a weird story. Uh, Brian Kinane, who was actually with us right now in the uh, studio, um, he was actually sitting at the bar one night. And um, I'm going to say it was probably in June of 2008. And uh, pretty much the bar was closing up. The whole club was already shut down for the evening. And one of the uh, the bartenders asked Brian if he wouldn't mind to, uh, you know, shut the place down with them, kind of do the walkthrough, make sure doors are shut, lights are shut off, and, and things like that. And Brian, knowing the club very well, uh, yeah, he had no problem doing that with her. And uh, so they basically started on the first floor, and they kind of went their way up. I believe it was on the second floor um, entering the third the third area, where is, as a, as a story said, it was an old brothel area. There's actually a, a light that uh, that kind of goes on and off throughout the night. So as the uh, the bartender shutting off the light, she asked Rose, "Would you mind keeping the light off for us for the night?" And uh, you know, just so Dan doesn't come in and thinking I didn't do my job type of thing. And uh, so Brian and them kind of chuckled about it. And uh, so Brian kind of just asked her, "What's what's this whole story about Rose?" She's like, well, I don't know. A lot of us at the uh, the club think that the place is, has activity or, or it's haunted, and we actually call the ghost named Rose. Um, after looking into and talking with Dan, um, I guess the story, there's no factuality of the name Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a feeling that I believe your girlfriend had. At right. The time. Well, the employees uh, gave her that name pretty much because uh, they see activity once in a while, and for whatever reason, that's the name they gave her, so. For no, for no apparent reason. No, there's no apparent reason for that. Well, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I mean, a lot of times that's what happens with spirits is, you know, if it's there and you think that it's there, it kind of becomes familiar to you and it's almost like a comfort factor. So even if you're not sure of what the name is, you know, you want to give it some sort of name so you can address it by something or other. And, you know, if you pick a name they don't like, maybe they'll smash a bar glass or something. <laughs> but if you don't get any kind of negative reaction, sure, go with it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we, where we started. So uh, we asked to have a meeting with Dan. Uh, we actually met, I, th- I believe it was about two weeks later. And uh, Dan's pretty, uh, you can tell, Dan's pretty straight-laced guy. He just, you know, he liked the idea of us coming in and doing an investigation. He thought it would be kind of neat and pretty cool to have, uh, you know, a team. We showed some of the equipment that we would use. And uh, right out of the gate, he told me there's a non-believer. So it was, uh, it was actually kind of a challenge for me to, to bring some evidence to him. And, uh, and that's kind of what we did. We brought him a lot of different evidence, and uh, he kind of 
he sat back in his seat on a couple yeah. and you know yeah you enjoyed it i wasn't here for the uh, investigation i was in a, as a, at a wedding and uh, when i heard the results i had like a little you know a second uh, look at it you know second chance mm -hmm. to to redecide my decision <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing is that for for people that don't believe a lot of times once they only need to see a little bit of evidence sometimes and it's almost like you know okay you, you go through your mind, you say, okay, it could have been this, it could have been that. And obviously, Dan, you know the place better than Eric and his team do. So, you know, if they tell you, oh, we got this noise, you can say, oh, that's just a generator kicking in. That's just the AC kicking in. But when you start to get something that makes you rethink, and we're going to play some of these clips that, that the Dart team got. Uh, but when you start to hear some of this and you realize, now, wait a minute, this stuff is going on. Does that kind of change your approach of when you're here and, and how you handle this place? Do you almost feel now like you're not just the steward of this club, but also of whoever might still be hanging around here? It does change my feeling about being here by myself now, uh, <laughs> where I, I, I've been here all the time by myself. I've stayed here for six months uh, at one time when I was rebuilding my home. And now that I know there's different sounds in here that I can't explain, it, I kind of look at it a different way, you know, and, Sometimes you feel like you're not alone, but uh, again, we'll see. You know, we'll see what uh, what the outbring will bring. So, in a little bit too, we're going to play some of those clips as we said. But just to go over some more information about the club for those who might be interested in joining, the silver membership starts at fifty dollars per year, and uh, the gold membership is twenty five dollars per month plus seventy five dollars in minimum spending, and the platinum membership, which gives you the reciprocal membership of other clubs, that's fifty dollars per month plus fifty dollars minimum spending. So it's that's even though it it. It is a private club, and even though you have these different levels, it is very affordable. I mean, I, I can't imagine there isn't anybody listening who, you know, wouldn't say, okay, if I spend $50 a month to join and then I just go there and have dinner with my wife one time, you know, beautiful. We've just hit everything that we have to hit. And you're going to come here so more, much more often than that. Uh, the, the atmosphere is unbelievable. Uh, you have uh, uh, a beautiful dining room. Again, the bowling alleys downstairs if you want to have a birthday party for your kids. Um, if you also want to have just uh, come down and hang out with the guys mm -hmm. or gals, uh, we have that type of atmosphere. You want to get married here, we can do that as well. You know, so it's like a, it's the you got the best of both worlds here. And and you have the in the first floor there's a, a dining room and there's a, a very fancy bar on the first floor. And then but downstairs it is definitely like a pub atmosphere. You've got the the big TVs running the games and you know the pool tables and everything. I mean there's there is something for everybody. And then beyond that, beyond what you might see just coming in and using those facilities of the club, there's the second floor, and then there's the third floor, which I know that you're doing some work on. But it, this is a really spacious building with a lot of rooms and a lot of stories to tell. Right. We just added the uh, piano bar on the first level. Uh, this is something new we just started, and that happens on Saturday evenings. Um, but we do have above that uh, a facility, that a banquet hall that holds about 170 people with uh, smaller rooms around the perimeter for smaller meetings, uh, business conferences and stuff like that. And then, like you said, on the third floor, you have all the rooms that at one time they, they used to stay here. The business people didn't uh, have to fly right away. There was Transportation was different mm -hmm. back then. So they would stay for the evening or the weekend and, uh, and, and go home. But I think that's why those rooms are up there. There is other rumors but uh, we, I'll go we with might that. Have, we might have gone with uh, some of those rumors a little bit earlier tonight. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, so, Eric, when you come here with your team and, and you're looking at this place, you, you must have said to yourself, wow, how are we going to cover all this space that we need to to investigate? And to, to find out, you know, that there's every time you open the door, there's another room. Yeah, that, that's definitely the hottest, you know, uh Thing to do in this building every I mean, there's a you open one door it leads to another stairway you open that doorway and it leads to upstairs um pretty much my team is you know i have a short i only have a four or five person team and uh you know we try to split off in different groups um we covered this area i think we covered the quickershan club i don't know maybe cook is maybe i don't know maybe four or six hours and uh, we, we did everything. We did all our K2 sessions, you know, EMFs, EVPs. Uh, we had a few different cameras running. Um, but we did. We did, we covered it pretty well. I think we, uh, you know, we did the best we can. And just like tonight with the, the guests the guest that you have, 
I think we got this place well covered tonight. So we did. We brought in some of our friends that we we wanted to have, uh, you know, come in here and experience the Quickestrand Club, but also to to introduce them to Dart, so that you know, as part of what we try to do is hooking teams up and hooking investigators up that can continue to work together outside of what we do on the show. And so we brought Mike Markowitz in with us. Uh, We brought Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research, who's frequently on the program, and we have Luann from Wailing City Ghosts. Everybody's coming together to to work together as a team, and that's what it's all about. I mean, when when you look at the ideas that people can bring in, the equipment they can bring in, the you know the knowledge and the the history and the expertise, once you put all this together and you have a location like this, it kind of makes for the perfect storm. Hopefully, of being able to have activity happen. And we were here what <laughs> an hour? Well, basically, we had just set up the uh, the radio equipment and gotten on the internet and everything, and then we said, okay, let's go and investigate. And this particular evening, we went upstairs onto the third floor. And Luann had the shack hack, the little version of Frank's box, and already stuff was coming through. And and you had a number of different pieces of equipment out there, but sometimes it's more once you get the person in there, that's when things will start to light up. Yep, true. And I believe uh, within maybe five, ten minutes, I believe even Mike had his first uh, EVP hit. And um, if I'm, quote me if I'm wrong, but I think we might have said like a whack or black or something like that and you it's can hear wacky, it. you hear different people's voices uh you can hear that i think there was three people in the room and you can kind of hear the distance where they are and then you hear this whack or the black and it sounds like it's right on top of the microphone so within minutes we've already started getting evps and and we were actually when we were on the third floor luann had kind of made a connection right off the bat using that check hack where uh and i don't know if we should say this word on the radio but we will because it's late the kids are in bed but uh basically it said i'm a whore over the shack hack and then you would ask its name and it said marie and this kept coming back again and again so we tried a couple of different approaches we had luann stay in the room while uh, us gentlemen kind of retired out to another room which has a beautiful view of of uh, the river, and we were able to see the Braga Bridge and everything. You know, we're just relaxing, chilling out in that room. But uh, she was in there, you know, getting more results from that. And then we kind of said, okay, well, because she had also said, you know, don't hurt me, right, too? That's what she said. So while we're in there, we're, we decided to go back in and act like the big macho tough guys and see if that would kind of get something out of her. And we were. We had the shack hack on an open speaker, and we were hearing – you know, Marie frequently, we, we heard whore quite a few times, and uh, it just seemed to be responding. And then I left because I had to take a phone call from Costa. But so, <laughs> but hey, just a little bit of what's been going on so far here tonight, and we have plans of spending even more time after the show uh, of investigating further and seeing if we can get more evidence, and then we'll present it on a future episode of the show. But um, Matt, why don't we take a break if that works for you? Okay, we're going to take a break. Two minutes. Okay, when we come back, we're going to play the EVPs that Dart captured the first time that they were here, and we'll play them for you. We'll have Eric explain a little bit of what the circumstances were and what they hear, and uh, we'll also you know, make sure that uh, if you are listening over the Internet and you can't really hear everything clearly, when we put the podcast up, we're going to have the actual CD-quality versions inserted into the show, so you'll be able to hear them. And uh, by the time, you know, it's a moot point what I'm saying right now if you're listening on the uh, podcast, but if you're listening on the radio and you don't get a chance to hear them as good as you might want to, definitely uh, check out the podcast. It'll be up on SpookySouthCoast.com starting tomorrow. All right, well, we'll be right back after two minutes right here on Spooky South Coast. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, back in the studio. Science advisor Matt Moniz is here with me at the Quickishan Club in Fall River. And, and if you've never been here, definitely come by, check it out. And I guarantee you, by the time Dan's done showing you around, giving you a tour, you're going to sign up for a membership. And uh, you may see uh, at least two-thirds of the Spooky crew hanging out, <laughs> having some drinks, shooting some pool. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. The pizza. Thank Fantastic. you, Dan, for bringing that pizza. That's phenomenal. Not a problem. Matt Costa made sure he came all the way here so that he could have a pizza. You know, he pretended like I forgot to give him the key to the studio, <laughs> but it was really just for the pizza. Huh? What would you think of that pizza, Matt? Yeah. And you know what's funny? It's all gone, so I can't take any back. <laughs> we ate it all. So why don't we just discuss a little bit more the <laughs> the general atmosphere and, and the general uh sense of what happened during the, the course of the investigation. Um, I, I mean, I know that when we came for the walkthrough to kind of plan this show, uh, there was some instances where I was getting a feeling of cold spots 
and we kind of tra- and this was on a hot summer day. There was no AC running because it was just us. The club wasn't open. Uh, there was no windows open or anything, and it was in a part of the club that we'll say is being refurbished so everything is kind of you know the windows are definitely sealed tight there's new windows over there there's there's all kinds there's no reason for there to be a draft and we were getting these cold spots that kept kind of following us around and again the same thing happened tonight with luann where she was having these cold sensations come over her is that something that you found a lot of while you were here investigating did you get a lot of instances where you could just feel something in the air yes um there was actually one case when we had three investigators walking up to the we're going to call it the uh, the brothel area or where there's six rooms um i'm not sure what what you would want to call that dan well it's the brothel now because marie told us she's a whore that's right <laughs> it was sleeping quarters <laughs> there, there we go we um we had we actually had a digital recorder set up in the back um of the hallway and when we were viewing it you can hear the the um the investigators talk about cold spots around their ankles. So you can hear us say, geez, Brian, can you feel the cold spots around mine, uh, my ankles? And Brian kind of set back and says, well, now I can kind of feel it swirling around my arm, my hands and, and my arms. And as soon as you, it's about three seconds later, you actually heard this loud muffle. Um, it all sounds like a woman's voice being covered. And she was pretty much, it sounded like she was being uh, screaming type of thing. Um, so, yeah, there is one case where uh, you do feel a lot of the uh, cold spots and things like that. I mean, it, normally you would look at a, at a place that's in, in some cases as, as cavernous as some of these rooms are, and you'd expect there to be some kind of, you know, breezes, some kind of, you know, some spots where maybe the heat or the, the air conditioning doesn't reach to. But for the most part, like when you walk into a room here, you get a sense pretty quickly of, of – you know what the room temperature is. I guess that's probably the old construction monies. You, you'd probably know better than I would. Um, you know they didn't have these artificial heating and cooling systems as much as we have now, so they probably made sure that things were pretty locked down tight. Yeah, they definitely made sure all the joints were tight and stuff like that. And uh, they did that for weatherproofing mm-hmm. because they didn't really have insulation as good as we do now, and they wanted to make it as as they could to keep out the weather as best as possible back then. I mean, you've investigated a number of locations that were built even older than this location, but, you know, from around this time period. And uh, it, there definitely seems to be a lot of factors that can allow spirits to attach. Do you see anything here in the Quickishan Club that is kind of a standout factor for you of, of why there could be activity going on here? stone like the stone tape theory uh or something like that that's one possibility but um, I, I think just the energy that was put into this place uh by the people that were here uh, yeah th- this place does have definitely potential i definitely think it has potential to have you know at least residual stuff without a doubt and it when I came through and, and did the walkthrough, we were all together, but, you know, we had talked about there is there is smoking allowed in certain parts of the club because it is a private club, so you are able to have that option. But you keep it kind of limited to the downstairs pub area, right? Yeah, that's correct. We are allowed to smoke in a pub area, and that's the only place you're allowed to smoke in a club uh, because it is a private club and it's a separate room and it's a members-only club. But, but, I mean, back in the old days, I mean – they they just smoked wherever they wanted to, and I'm sure that it wouldn't come as a surprise, Matt. We we discussed this. That we talked about that people might report phantom smells in other parts of the of the club, you know, pipe smoke, cigar smoke coming out. But we we talked a great deal about the wood and how it's porous and how it can right. hold these scents in it for a, a good amount of time. Right, because wood is naturally porous and it expands and contracts with uh, temperature and humidity. So these. Um Basically, odors are trapped within the wood, and as the place is expanding and contracting with the humidity and temperature, these odors get re-released back into the air. So, Eric, when you were doing your research, uh, and uh, admittedly, I mean, if you look up the Quickishan Club online, you're not going to find a whole lot outside of the website, uh, which is, you know, quickishanclub.com, Q-U-E, Q-U-E-C-H-A-N. 
Club.com. And if you go to that, you can find out the whole history of the location and find out more about where it is if you want to come by and what hours are open. But when, when you're trying to put together this history, I mean, how difficult is it for you to, to put things together when you know that you've gotten this report and that report, but then you're looking at, you know, a hundred other years of history where you're just not seeing reports. I mean, obviously the place down the street where we've investigated and discussed in, in numerous times at the Lizzie Boyden house, there's a lot of reports of activity there that you can go by, but here you're kind of just coming in blind with just a couple of, of stories that you've heard. Yeah, that's, that's the hottest part about the, uh, the Q club for some reason. Um, I mean, I've spent hours, um, trying to research and Google and, um, pretty much Dan has pretty much everything covered in his pamphlets mm -hmm. is, is what we've found, um, as in, um, you know, the, uh, the timeline of the building. Um, I'm not sure if maybe the historical society or somebody like that, or maybe the library might have some old, you know, microfilm or something like that, that would allow us to, uh, to get some more information. But, um, we did have a hard time trying to find and, some stuff out. But you know that it's there. You know that it, because the building's been here for so long and so many people must have come through the doors, you know that there's definitely the potential for activity, uh, especially, you know, not to, to bog down too much in theories of, of what ghosts and spirits might be, but, you know, just the fact that if you think that energy can be trapped in a location, which we all seem to, to believe that, uh, there's – definitely a lot of energy that's been in this building it's it's probably the site of a lot of happy memories for people they probably had a lot of uh you know different events that have happened here and you know, like you said weddings can happen here so there's probably so much good times and i know that you told us too that the bowling league that was going on back in 1911 that was the first bowling league in the country no the bowling alleys were built in 1911 okay and the the bowling leagues date back to uh the, the 30s okay know? Um, and it went on for, for a hundred, over a hundred years. And, uh, the men's bowling league just ended in 04, mm -hmm. I believe. And, uh, ladies, uh, bowling league just ended, uh, in 07. Uh, but as, as far as, uh, activity in here, uh, there is a lot of unknown things that went on here. Uh, they, this was at one time just a men's only club. And, uh, so a lot of the things that happened here was, quiet you know which yeah, yeah, which yeah, should yeah. be i mean they had the right to do what they wanted to do in this club you know um but that's as far as we know there's really not much that i can tell that's, anyone that's probably that's a big reason here. why it's it's missing quote unquote from from record of of it's you know it might have been things that just weren't discussed not because it was illicit in any way but just because this was the club and what happened in the club was kept between club members and wasn't available to the public and uh i got a feeling mike on your your microphones you might pick up the sound of some people throwing some strikes later on <laughs> you know you're just going to hear 10 pins knocking down clean uh but i mean that's one of those things though it's it's sporting sites are frequently reported to have you know, residual activity because so much energy is exerted there that it becomes trapped. So, I mean, who knows? And, and the fact that people who were here, I've got to think for the most part, were always in good spirits and always, you know, having a good time. And that's going to leave an imprint too. We hear so many times about locations and, and Eric being an investigator, you've heard numerous stories about locations who have kind of developed a negative reputation because something bad has happened there you know there's been a murder there's been a fire there's sure. been something that has happened that has kind of scarred that place but it's important to note that there are places where maybe it's a happy thing that's that's imprinting itself yeah no that's true i mean uh, th there's definitely a lot of stories within the cube in the q club as in the employees I and mean, then dan can actually even uh, tell you a few stories out there as well um but a lot of them are um more of like, uh, like Matt was saying, more like a residual type of thing, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, uh, um, you know, just the EVPs that you would hear or maybe the door slam, um, people are hearing, you know, maybe the, some of the windows shut. Uh, there's actually a pretty good story about the, uh, the chef and he was talking about, that's actually what we call one, another one of the EVPs. And, uh, he's talking about, he was actually cooking and, uh, somebody kind of dinged his bell type of thing. And he kind of looks over and he kind of, doesn't really want anybody touching the bell. Yeah, I no, guess that's a chef's thing. Don't, don't touch, touch my yeah. bell. And uh, so pretty much it went off again. He kind of stopped what he was doing. He kind of left the bill, you know, left the room, looked around, and nobody was around. And that was pretty much it for that time. He, at a later time, the uh, the bell 
I guess went off one more time. And then when he, when he went to go look over, the bell actually flew right off the, uh, the countertop and landed on the floor. And, uh, again, he kind of ran outside and, uh, nobody was around. So I don't know what's going on with the, yeah, the bell in the kitchen, but, uh, there's definitely some type of activity going on. Well, I can tell you, uh, I know a little bit about working in a kitchen and I can tell you that there can sometimes be a lot of negative energy involved in the kitchen. <laughs> Trust me. And uh, it'll it'll just be interesting too to to put out what we get there and to see how people's reaction are. I think nowadays you're going to get people who are going to say, "Oh, there might be paranormal activity going." I definitely want to join the club, as opposed to you know five or six years ago when somebody might have said, "I'm never going to go there if there's activity happening." It seems like now it's something that people are just accepting as something that goes on, and it's not going to change their mind about whether or not they're going to go have a good time there or not anyway. Well, I can tell you a story about the uh, after uh, Eric Lavoie and his team came down here, uh, there was a band playing uh, up in one of our rooms, and uh, I think the following weekend the article came came out in a newspaper, and uh, one of the players said, "Oh, I, I I knew I felt a little strange playing there that night." <laughs> so you know, you, you never know how people are going to take this. So you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but you know, they they still came back though, so that's all that matters. Uh, it, to to me, I mean, if you want to come here and, and just relax and, and, you know, spend time and maybe throw a tape recorder in your pocket, <laughs> you know, you never know what you might pick up while you're here. Uh, Moniz, I know that when you're going to come back as a member, you're going to be interested in a different kind of spirit than... I'm more interested in pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's good spirits in here, though. Absolutely. It's... <laughs> it, it, I mean... Th- there's so many locations that we talk about where it's like, okay, you can get into this place and experience uh, what's going on, you know, from this time to this time, or when this group comes in, or when there's some kind of an event here. I mean, we'd like to help you, you know, somewhere down the line, bringing people in here that are interested in an investigation of capacity, try and help the club out and, and help increase people's awareness of the paranormal. But if you just want to chill out, hang out in a place where, you know, you might have a ghost sitting down in the chair next to you, this is definitely a place to do that. It's the Quickishan Club. It's uh, located at 306 North Main Street in Fall River. And if you know Fall River at all, which I don't, but it's still extremely easy to get to. You just come off, what, Exit 7 coming from the New Bedford Way? Right, and you get on, um, uh, where do you get on? Yeah. Uh, Plymouth <laughs> Avenue. Plymouth Avenue exit you take. Uh, go up to Bedford Street, take a left, and take a right on North Main Street. Because we always go the wrong way. We go yeah. like we're heading toward Lizzie Borden's, and we got to kind of go past the moon. No, that's like around. the little uh, side street the, you got there. Yeah, the scenic route. Yeah. But uh, it's it's right downtown. You can see Battleship Cove from the windows, and it's right next to the big Verizon building down the street from the uh, from the armory. So if you've uh, come out here for the different wrestling shows and you've investigated the uh, – the Pal Hall with uh, Chris and Gartland, then you know exactly what we're talking about. So this is the place to come down and check it out. 306 North Main Street in Fall River. Uh, if you'd like to give them a call, 508-679-6433. The website is quickishanclub.com, Q-U-E-Q-U-E-C-H-A-N-Club.com. Uh, again, three levels of membership. Silver membership is $50 per year. Gold membership is $25 per month plus $75 minimum spending. And platinum membership is $50 per month plus $50 in minimum spending. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, Dan, you and I, about the different uh, ways people can can achieve that. I mean, you have dinners for two uh, for members. They can come down and what, it's $35, it's $35 I think. $35 with a bottle of wine. So, uh, you know, you come you down a couple of times, you're all set. And the kitchen is first class. We can attest to that. Uh, definitely a great place. People forget too, like they, for the amount of money it costs you to be a member here and, and the, the privileges and the benefits that you get, uh, you know, imagine if you try to go out and, and have that kind of a good time somewhere else, it's going to cost you the same amount of money to go out and, and hang out wherever you hang out now. And it's not the same atmosphere is here where you can feel like you're part of something. You can feel like you're connected with the people here. So definitely check it out. It's the Quickishan Club in Fall River. Okay, Eric. Well, you were here uh, a year ago to the day, and, and you captured a number of EVPs, and we're going to play those now for the listening audience, and, and we'll have you set up each one to kind of explain the circumstances of how they were captured. So uh, how about the first one? Okay, the first one I believe we, we talked about a little bit before. That was on the uh, the first floor, and that was actually caught with the uh, the mini high eight, and we actually didn't hear it at the time, um, 
we really didn't get, we had the slight feelings uh, of some type of presence, but uh, we really didn't have nothing to actually stay there and actually conduct longer EVPs. But later when we analyzed the uh, the video, um, th- this is the uh, the EVP that we caught on the uh, high eight. All right, so let's play that. We'll play the play the long version, and then we'll let people hear that. We'll ask you what you think you hear, and then we'll play it again. So here we go with the first one. Uh, so you can kind of hear it there at the end. So what, what is it that, that you think is coming through there? Well, pretty much probably about a th- a th- three quarters of a way through. You can he- Hopefully you can hear our voices and you can see the distance of it. You can hear. We believe that you can hear it says, call the doctor. So why don't we play the shortened version of that and we can let everybody hear. So call the doctor. Let's see. Absolutely. I'll, I'll play that one more time for everybody. Yeah. Wow. And as you can tell, that that was, I mean, that was probably uh, amplified maybe by, you know, three, um, three decibels or, mm-hmm. um, so it's not that amplified, but that was right on the mic. That's so. It, it was definitely you could hear in the original clip. It's it's definitely louder than where you are in relation to the device. Correct. All right, how about the, the next clip? All right, the uh, the second clip is going to be in the kitchen area where I um, think we also talked about the uh, the chef and the uh, the bell. Um, we actually just kind of made a quick, there's actually a quick little route to get into the uh, the second kitchen area. Um, at the time, it was really loud, so there might be, you might hear some type of um, mechanical something going on. It might, could be the refrigerator or a generator in the background. Um but there was uh was me and I believe it was uh Brian Canaan also um a dart member and this is kinda what we caught. Okay. Uh, so you feel it? I but they said uh even the sun from now. All right, so what are we hearing there? Okay, pretty much, again, we're about three-quarters into the uh, the EVP or, or the loop. Um, we believe that you can hear, I'm going to say it's probably a woman's voice maybe saying, stop it. Um, let's see if we can hear that. Play the shortened version. It kind of definitely here. It's a definitely of a higher pitch, and it certainly sounds like stop it to me. Yeah, uh, and, and again, it almost sounds like it's maybe grabbing some of the uh, the white noise from maybe the generators in the background that's helping it to, uh, you know, to hear itself or may allow us to hear it. So it's actually a pretty good EVP. And now EVP doesn't necessarily have to be just uh, voices either. It could be sounds. And I think in the next clip, that's kind of what happened. Yep, absolutely. And there's all the different different type of uh, techniques that we try to uh to do when you're trying to capture evps you know some of them might be a form of questions and things like that in this case we actually asked um you know can you give us a sign of your presence maybe a tap or a knock and uh this is what we got on this evp can you give us a knock on the wall tap i know it takes a lot of energy to do something like that but i really verify that and obviously, you can tell by your while you're speaking, you didn't hear that when it was happening. No, we definitely didn't. And definitely, as you know, as an investigator, and there's a lot of different investigators in this room. Anytime you you bump into something or you knock, you know, you you hit something, you really should identify what you're doing. If you're going to put a recorder down, it will make a sound. Um, that's the best thing to do because when you're analyzing that, you hear everything. Um, so you always want to say who's in the room. And see, I usually identify when I do something like that. Um, and we can say this because I'm in the podcast. I usually identify that with a clearly scientific, ah, shit. <laughs> That's basically how you know that it was me bumping into something. But uh, let's play those taps again for everybody to hear. So pretty clear. Yeah, one more time. Yeah. And that was, uh, like I said, 
I think for uh, when we played after Dan too. That was I think that was actually in the second dining area. Right. Um, I don't know if there was, is that the Commonwealth. You have a certain name for the different the Commonwealth dining room. That's the correct. Commonwealth yeah. dining room. I just wanted to mention one thing when when you heard that first EVP uh, called a doctor. Yes. This uh, house used to be owned by Dr. Hubert Wilbur. So it's kind of strange and ironic that it's just called a doctor. So nope. yeah, who knows? Sure it's, it's when you can actually have the history and make make sense of some of these EVPs. That makes it just stand up even more in my eyes because, or in my ears for that matter. But because you know you're actually able to tie it into the location for a reason. It's not just some random voice being heard. There's some sort of intelligent reasoning behind it. Right. All right. The next one here is uh, number seven on the list. All right, that is uh, get out of here. Um, I believe. Um, let me see here. I believe that's going down. Actually, from the room, if we took a right out of this door, there's two sets of stairs, um, which I was actually just talking to Mike about. Um, we, Jay Bashad was one of the uh, the team members that was walking down when he was just asking. Um, you know, are there any spirits here that want to come through? And and uh, this is kind of what he captured on that EVP. Hey. Now, what's strange about that, if you can, I don't know how clear it's going to be on the podcast, but there's a lot going on in that that loop. If you can really listen, get out of here is probably the clearest of the voices, but you can hear a lot going on after that. You might hear like something saying, Hey, or you, or there's like a lot going on. Let's play the shortened version. You can hear that really quick. Now, Moniz, you weren't here at that time. So it's, they weren't speaking to you. <laughs> okay. All right. You look like you were ready to go. It like, so you sometimes when the ghosts talk, he listens more so than when us human living people talk. All right, number nine on the list is the next one. Okay, um, hey, I just actually just gave the EVP away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually in the uh, third floor um, area where I think Dan spoke about uh, when he was revenerating the area upstairs. Um, he there was I think you set up like a mattress or something like that, and you were kind of hanging out here. And uh, we actually conducted a couple of EVP sessions in there, and uh, this was pretty clear. This was probably a, definitely a Class A EVP. It's very fast, um, and I know Dan has a good story to go along with that. But once he heard that and he knew that he was sleeping in that room, it kind of made him feel a little uneasy. So, well, why don't we play it, Dan? Then he can All kind right. of share with us. <laughs> It was definitely very quick. I'll I'll play the short version too. One more time. Definitely very quick. Like it's trying to get your attention. You know, trying to just. And it's a female Sorry. voice. Mm-hmm. Definitely a female voice, and it's kind of funny how it's in that. Any female investigators with you that that during that night? No investigators, but there was one of the uh, the bartenders that was attending with us um, at that time. She was not there. They were actually in, I believe it was the uh, the Commonwealth room. There was only five of us there that night. Um, and during that time, that was me and Jason Bashad was in that area. But so, there was a female um, with us in the building. But not anywhere near where the report was. No. Nope. And it's it's definitely clearly a female voice. And that makes you uncomfortable, Dan, when you're sleeping here to hear female no, voices? No. What, did, what he's trying to get at is what had happened here is um, – Again, when I was, uh, I demolished my home, I had no place to stay. So I, I fixed up a little room upstairs and, um, it was around like, uh, three in the morning. I heard loud footsteps and I thought it was someone coming in mm-hmm. and I thought it was the maintenance guy coming in. And, um, when I figured out that it was three in the morning, I says, there's no way that he's going to be here. And I opened the door and I didn't see anyone there. So that was kind of, uh, a situation that it could have been the the build the building settling, you know, because I really don't believe in that that there was some ghost uh, walking upstairs. But well, three in the morning <laughs> is the time when a lot of that stuff happens. Though. Sure. All right, let's move on to uh, number eleven. Okay, um, this was in the hallway leading to the uh, the kitchen. Um, 
there's actually a series of, I believe it's three photos. Um, I think, that, did you say that was the only known photos of this place as well? The the only photos that I have, okay. original photos that I have, is, is those that are hanging up on a wall. Okay. Um, I know we were asking, we were kind of trying to really focus in on those pictures. And there's, in one of the, I think it's the first picture on the left, um, there's actually, uh, there's a woman up in the window and there's another gentleman, older gentleman sitting on a, looks like a swinging chair or something like that in the front. Um, then there's another man, I believe is Dr. William Mason, that's holding like a child by the arms. So we were kind of getting, trying to get into tune with that, um, that picture and kind of get a good feeling. So we were asking if, uh, you know, if there's anything that we can do to maybe pass something along. Um, and, you know, did you, do you love it here and do you like it here? And this is kind of what we caught. Do you maybe miss some of the people that are in these pictures? So very quick at the end, but we'll play the, the uh, shortened version. Let me just. Now, this, this one's actually, it's been one of those, yeah, we actually had a discussion about EVPs up here earlier today. Um, we actually kind of battled this one back and forth amongst our team and to say, actually, what is that EVP saying? Some of the members actually felt that it was saying, thank you. Some said, um, I do. We, I kind of went with I do. So maybe okay. if, uh, if you hear something different, we'd like to know. Of course, these these uh, are also available. If anybody wants to just email you or yep, absolutely. get in contact with you, you're happy to provide a- these people to kind of tear anyti- apart. And- anytime. Yep. Okay. Uh, the next room, number th- the next one, 13. Okay. Um, this one on the main room. You know, Tim, I don't know. Okay. Well, Maybe let's listen let's, to it. Let's, yeah, let's listen we'll to it and I can go from there. Wow. Okay. Now I'm I, I'm sorry about that. That was in the again. That was in the third floor in the uh, the uh, the brothel area, where um, you actually could hear the uh, the members talk about as they were walking into the hallway leading into that room. We had a digital recorder on the back wall. And uh, you can hear them towards the end of the tape um, talking about like a cold spots around their ankles and their hands. And pretty, pretty much about three seconds after that, you can hear almost a disembodied sound. It, to, to us, it sounded like uh, maybe like a woman's voice being um, held back or while she was screaming or something like that. Yeah, definitely. You, you definitely hear it. It does have a creepy sound. We'll play a short version here. No, I feel angry because I feel cold. That's pretty loud. That is screeching. And, you know, I really don't know what else that could be to say, you know, um, you know, if we could try to like debunk that, um, I really wouldn't even know where to start with it. Um, to me, it does sound like a woman. It doesn't really sound like a noise you can associate with anything. Nope. Off the top of your head. All right, well, the last one here is, oh, you want to? I was going to say the most somebody could come up with is maybe a cat outside the window, but even that wouldn't sound that much like that. Mm. Yep, no, that's a good point. All right, the last one is number 15. Well, 15 and 16. 15 and 16. Okay, this was, um, this is also on the second floor in the dining room area where we were asking for, uh, you know, any type of spirits to come through or anybody that wants to communicate with us. Um, I think we asked a different series of questions where if you were a male, uh, then you would have a pause. And then we asked if you were female. And uh, this is the response that we got from that. What? Is there somebody over here? Can you please tell me your name? Are you male? Are you female? You can kind of hear that right at the end, but we'll play the short version. Pretty, pretty uh, clear. And <laughs> nope. Now, it's kind of funny. A lot of people say, you know, it, I have a lot of friends that are skeptics and, you know, they're saying, well, how come, you know, why did it, why did the spirit say no after you asked for the female? Um, you know, why didn't it say no after the male? Mm-hmm. And I just told them, and sometimes it takes a long time for the spirits to build up that energy or maybe it took them time to, 
you know, there was different devices around and maybe they grabbed that energy source from the batteries. Um, it just sometimes it's not spontaneous. And also, I mean, we're kind of making assumptions into what it is that they're trying to say too. I mean, sometimes these EVPs, they may sound like they're direct answers to questions, but they could be, you know, just anything that they're trying to get across and they're only getting it across in fragmented pieces or, right. you know, they, they could say, no way, man, but all you're going to get is no, cause that's all the energy is strong enough for. So yep, that's true. Yeah, well, that's definitely definitely some interesting EVPs uh, that came out of here your first time investigating, and I, I got a feeling that we're going to get some pretty good stuff here. We'll make sure that we uh, play it on a future episode of the show, and you'll be able to hear it then too, and we'll break it down, and we'll do what we can do to make sure that we uh, you know, let you know what we think it is that's being said. And, and as Eric said, if you think you hear something different, feel free to get a hold of us. Our email is spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Eric, if you want to give a, a contact info. Sure. Uh, they can contact me at uh, it's Dart Hunters. Um, that's D-A-R-T-H-U-N-T-E-R-S at AOL.com. And uh, I'll be glad to hear uh, what you thought. And uh, if you think you're hearing something different, I'm okay with that too. And we can change the name of it if we have to. I'm open-minded to that. <laughs> there you go. Not a lot of people are when it comes to their EVPs. A lot of people say, no, that's what I heard and that's what's being said. So it's good that you're keeping that open mind. And uh, we thank everybody for joining us here on the podcast. And sorry that we can only bring it briefly to you on the radio, but that's what happens you know, when the Red Sox are playing in hurricane-type conditions. <laughs> but thank you, Dan, for having us here and allowing us to do the show from the Quickishan Club and we hope to see you here frequently and we know that Moniz and I will but hopefully we can get the spooky South Coast audience in here and Eric thank you for inviting us along and now I'm looking forward to to turning this off packing all this stuff up and actually getting out there and catching some of this ourselves so uh, until then we want you all to stay spooktacular Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.